Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's episode marks our 50th show since we relaunched it in February of 2022. Over these nearly two years, we've stayed true to our mission, offering a window into the people of Bankless DAO and the projects they're working on that drive their passion in exploring Web3 technology and culture. Though a large percentage of our contributors are U.S.-based, we are a global organization, working toward decentralization and exploring the potential of these tools. Today, you'll hear a bit of reflection on how Bankless DAO came to be and the personal story of one of its earliest members. I feel this episode is special in a couple of ways. It represents multiple milestones. Closing out a calendar year, hitting 50 episodes or a couple. Another is the delight I'm feeling being able to bring you today's guest, who will be reaching his own milestone right around the time this episode hits the interwebs. A very special birthday wish for our very own Bill Ford, a.k.a. The Marvel. Hey, Marvel, GM, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for the warm introduction. And uh, it is a great uh, adventure here that we've been on together, an experiment. Uh, it is global and globally, and that's part of the fascination for me, being an anthropology major and interested in cultures for all over the world. Uh, just meeting these notables here on Bankless Down and becoming friends with them, at least over the over the internet has made it a, a special three years for me. It's been pretty special for me too. And having you around, I think you bring a, a unique perspective. We had a lot of fun the first part of this that we recorded a couple of weeks ago, and we spent almost two hours chatting together and, and covered a lot of stuff. Anyway, I wanted to thank you for coming back and making the time today to, to button this up so we can get this stuff out uh, for folks to listen to before the year closes out. Let's ride. <laughs> What I'd kind of like to start with is, uh, you know, things move pretty fast in this space. And just in the last couple of weeks since we first chatted, we don't need to get into a, a huge amount of detail on that. But what I'm alluding to is we have some recent insight into how fast things move. And uh, maybe start with that and then go ahead uh, and roll the first part of our conversation. What do you think about that, Marvel? Should we start with that? Yeah, great, great start. A great start. Yeah, two, two thoughts on the. The velocity of technology, you know, first is the, the hardware platform that is evolving and the chips that are being manufactured. And we have a great, great uh, example of what I consider good leadership coming out of chip company maker NVIDIA right now, very big in artificial intelligence. And, and listening to him, and he said, uh, it's virtually impossible today to develop these chips that his company is manufacturing without artificial intelligence. And that's something, you know, two or three years ago, I wasn't even aware of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence. And, you know, maybe a decade ago, I wasn't even aware of uh, cryptography and how it was moving towards Bitcoin. And then I wasn't too in Bit Bitcoin after trying to wade through the white paper, but I was interested 
when Ethereum Foundation started and all it offered. And today, believe it or not, 1st of December is the third anniversary of POS. Proof of stake. uh, We we launched the beacon. Yeah, proof of stake. Today was the day. Was it December 1st? I I posted on Twitter. You can look at my Twitter page. I posted because I did a snapshot of the first epic and the first launch at 4.01 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I got up there to to watch it, and we made it, and ETH2 started, and now it's just ETH. And, of course, the confusion that comes from not knowing the difference between ETH and classic ETH is uh, is amazing to me. Here I am approaching 80, and I know all these things, but a lot of the kids, you ask them about the new asset class called crypto, and they roll their eyes, and they don't want to talk about it, unless it's Dogecoin or something like that. There's a lot of misinformation and confusion out there. Now, that brings up something else that's been a point of confusion lately, and I don't want to beat this thing to death, but there's been some confusion between our organization and the organization that launched us recently. And there seems to have been some sort of kerfuffle on social media about that. And uh, <laughs> did you have any thoughts on <laughs> Trolls gonna troll. Trolls gonna troll. And X is a hellhole of confusion, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, not being involved as these apparent trolls were when they started, didn't even know the difference between Bankless Headquarters, the lads putting out the, the worldwide podcast, and Bankless DAO that was created by the lads and uh, the token that comes from that, and how much success and work we've had using Discord and Notion and the other tools to build up channels and now out there reaching around the world with 15 or 16 different languages involved and so it is a branding issue, and the velocity of branding is important. Uh, you know, it's, as I said on the community call this morning, it's the devil's in the details. We'll work through this. And, you know, some people are advocating fights, and some people are advocating more conversation. And, of course, we've got cool heads like Iced Cool, and he's going to look out for us, as is Above Average Joe and a lot of these other notables that, Make BDAO so strong as a community that has been built over three years of hard work. So there is a velocity uh, associated with the decisions among the various organizations and in crypto that are hard to keep up with if you're not involved. Yeah, and there's a lot of conversations happening. We still don't know how things are going to shake out. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, the the reasons we're here are, are still the same, and you know, we uh, we may see an evolution in the community and an evolution in what we're doing, but uh, we continue to to do what we do and our contributors are still contributing we're still shipping so i just want to give a little update on that since it's been recent and i know that's top of mind at least for yeah for I, the, uh, most of the listeners that core listeners that we have here. i like to elevate the conversation uh, and try to do that and look at it in a global sense is that we do have bankless headquarters and it's got its discord and its legal entity and it is a u.s llc and the boys are making money thank heavens and they're profitable and that's great and they own 25 percent of the initial billion bank that was issued when they created BDAO, and now there's concern or questions, well, we could just burn that, or we could give you, Bankless Dow, some of it for your treasury, and we could do this, we could do that, but we need to separate ourselves in some manner between the Bankless Dow and Bankless LLC. And I think one way to do that is rather than 
separate those two entities, create an even larger en entity, which I think some of the uh, international media nodes in Bankless DAO would support, which is Bankless Nation. There are some that don't even pay the podcast fee or listen to Bankless Headquarters. There are others that are not staking their bank in Bankless DAO uh, as token stakes and not signing up, but are entering under guest pass. And then there are some that don't even bother to get a guest pass, but are still supportive of the Bankless mission, the global movement. So if we just went to a new entity called Bankless Nation and brought them all together and then work the details out, who gets what and burn or not burn and gift or not gift and support or not support, I think uh, is a good starting point, at least from my perspective. Well, it all brings us back to this core challenge of human coordination and coordination failure and constant change. And I don't have any answers today. On and, and, yeah. In the two-hour talk that we had earlier, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, my view of things. And uh, I see a lot of simple solutions being offered for very complex situations and problems. I think the same thing holds true here. These are very complex times we live in, partly because of the velocity and the speed with which we can communicate now, uh, whether it's a decentralized communication or centralized communication or miscommunication, uh, until you get down to really an understanding of what is meant uh, by the words, whatever language you're using, and a clear understanding from everybody's position uh, it's very difficult. Uh, the Japanese, for example, have a word that they use almost before every meal, which is itadakimasu. And when I first heard that, I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting word. And so I dove into that and went clear on down to roots. And it's more of a cultural thing. And our translation would refer to as a, a prayer or a blessing before each meal a giving of thanks for the hands that prepared the meal is where it's commonly used in my experience. But it's also used by a lot of people just for the joy of being connected to, to nature as they go out and walk in a, a park or a, a forest. They see a trail, and they are often heard to say, itadakimasu, not for the people that prepared the the food, but for this beautiful trail that I'm here. I'm so appreciative of being connected to the to the universe, and I think itadakimasu is a good way to go in the case of the Tao. I'm thankful for it. This is a good time of year to be uh, reflecting on that concept of gratitude and uh, thankful for the things we have. Um, we are here at the end of the year. We're in the holiday season, and whatever, whatever you celebrate in your region of the world or in your culture or your community, it is that time of year. So, all right. Well, that uh, that should serve as a pretty decent introduction to this episode <laughs> and uh, also brings us a little bit up to date. So let's go ahead and roll that conversation from a couple of weeks ago. And Bill, I know you were under the weather a little bit that day, but as, as we'll all hear, you were very well taken care of during that chat by your wife of, I believe, 57 years. 57 <laughs> years. In fact, uh, the reason that I have so much time today is she went out to have a cup of coffee with one of her friends. Uh, she's getting ready for hip surgery on the 6th of December, and I'll be the primary caregiver. So I practiced this morning while you were eating your breakfast of cooking a nice scrambled egg and potato breakfast with a 
a cranberry, leftover cranberry salad from Thanksgiving. So let's be thankful this season in whatever uh, holidays that you celebrate, and uh, let's be kind and friends to one another. That's my wife's watchword. So, and good wishes to her as she goes through this hip replacement. She's already had one. Now this will be the second, and hopefully there's not a third, and uh, we'll give thanks for good hands and surgeons and those kinds of things as well. All right. We'll keep her in our thoughts, and uh, let's go ahead and roll that prior conversation. Roll it. I look back in the original Discord chat and uh, started reading, and I was a little bit fascinated by it because I'd heard your voice, and I love your voice. It's so deep and so, uh, I don't, I, it's so engaging. Hooked me right away. I still think we should have the voice off, you know, with you and uh, Ice Cool and a couple others that have these wonderful radio style voices. You can even throw Humpty in there with, uh, you know, it's a different style of communication. But as we build crypto and decentralization and community in this thing called base layers, how do we know we're actually listening to a, a guy in the right time zone and the right place who claims to be something or is it really a german shepherd that has learned to speak english or spanish or something else you know there's a lot of a lot of mystery to this space and so it's nice to see you know put a face and a voice together and and get to know people i know these in real life events that happen i think part of what what the dow was born out of uh, or what our community here was born out of was the fact that we were kind of in the middle of a very, very strange time collectively, and we're looking for some sort of community, whether we realized it or not. Yeah, it was uh, two lost years for me. Uh, I think you know by now, and if, if not, I will share with you now. Is my son has his business in Japan. I'm married to a Japanese lady, so my only two grandchildren are in Japan. Well, we were going twice a year, and I've made 29 trips or more over there uh, during the time he graduated from college and ran business. And then COVID hit, and of course, the country restrictions didn't allow us to travel, plus the health concerns. And you know, it was it was a pretty frightening time, but they were just two lost years. So I didn't have a 14-year-old granddaughter who became 16. I had no knowledge other than uh, FaceTime and what do we used to use? There was a program with Skype. There we go. We used to have yes. other programs. Yes, we the used Skype to have other, days. Yeah, the Skype days. Well, that's all uh, the only way we could really keep in contact. So I think you're right. I think, you know, the community layer or consensus layer, I think that might have been one of the reasons why the Dow took off so successfully. And I do think it's been a huge success. At least the bankless style, and that's the only one I've ever participated in. I'm kind of curious, um, Marvel. Um, do you mind if I use your real name? Is that okay? Or do you no, me call you no, Marvel? that's not, no. I I was going to use it anyway. I was going to dox myself because part of my story is created because of that name. I would love to hear that story. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> I am. I, I am ready. <laughs> I've told this so many times. I've got to memorize now. Great. Well, then you'll be a good storyteller. I won't have to edit. Yeah. Yeah, and not only that, my wife of 57 years in December uh, says good stories happen to good storytellers. So I think that puts me in safe, safe space. But I was uh, laying on a sofa or couch uh, up in the hills of Idaho, the mountains of Idaho, 
in a cabin that my grandfather, a World War I veteran, built back in 1937. And when he built it, he built it on two long pine tree skids so he could move it from the logging camp where they were to a future property that he was going to gonna buy it and uh, put it there. And he drug it with a bulldozer and floated it across the river and put it up on this little hill above a middle fork of the Payette River in Idaho. And I'm laying there listening to the podcast by the Bankless Headquarter Boys, <laughs> Ryan Sean Adams and David Hoffman. And at the end of the show in those days, uh, Ryan would always pond David would pontificate about what was happening in the crypto world and what was happening in Ethereum. And, and uh, so it was David's turn. So he pontificated normally. And then he turned and he said, and what are you excited about this week, Ryan? And Ryan paused and he said, Bill Ford. And I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought, why are you excited about Bill Ford? It hooked me right away because that's me. I couldn't believe it on a, on a national, worldwide, global podcast. <laughs> I hear Bill Ford coming through the iPad. And then he went on to say, is because adoption is long time in coming. And there's some guy out there who's 76 years old <laughs> at, at the time. And he's at the time. He's teaching himself DeFi. And if it's happening to one, I know it's happening to others. And if Bill Ford can do it, he didn't know me from, from Droz. <laughs> then I have, I have hope for this movement as we head west. And that was it. That's all I needed. And so I went right on. And then I went down to Rabbit Hole. I was just sort of scratching at the surface, kind of interested, but not really interested. But once they hooked Bill Ford, well, then I had to become the the old man of the Dow. <laughs> well, when they say your name, <laughs> how can you not tune in, right? Yeah. So anyway, I well, got How did connected. they know your name is what I want to know. Did you, well, had, well, you had you commented on, on Twitter? Or, or it was Twitter at the time, obviously. Yeah, now, but. It was, yeah, it was Twitter. And yes, yeah, that's, that's where I'd, I'd been involved with Twitter for quite a while. And uh, so they saw the name Bill Ford associated with my username, which is McDermott Marvel. And to right. me, McDermott Marvel is a, a follow-up good story as well. McDermott is a little border town. And when we moved there as a family in 1948, there were only 67 people in town. Oh my goodness. And in, in one direction, it's 101 miles to the next town into the Oregon desert. And the place of my birth was 74 miles in the other direction. And this was a all Basque community uh, located about seven miles from Paiute Shoshone Indian Reservation and about six miles from one of the largest quicksilver mines in the world. And that's where my father decided he would establish a general store and service the community. So from the age of five to 10, I grew up as a minority. I was not Paiute or Shoshone. I was not a miner. And I was not one of the many mass cousins that were around there. So I started school in a one-room schoolhouse with about 20 other kids. And we had no, uh, no kids in some of the grades, but they started me early. I was a first-round draft choice at the age of five because I could say my ABCs. And I could also count to 100 rows, if you could believe that. And that was a... <laughs> 
That was a screening test. So Leon would not have to start first grade by himself. Wow. Wow. I don't even know where to, to begin. There's so many threads I could pull on with that. Where you grew up. Um, I think that it gives you a unique perspective. And I, you know, I was thinking about this because there's stereotypes in every area and, um, we see stereotypes that you've learned from a young age that are unfounded. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit, coming back to growing up in a community where you're the minority. And I think this is maybe a good time to unpack that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's it's easy for me because it turned into a lifelong interest. When I went to college, I had no clue what I wanted to major in. I had a linear plan on how to fill up the next 20 years. I had decided that nothing that a 17-year-old could possibly get more excited about was ripping holes in the sky at twice the speed of sound and turning taxpayers' dollars into noise. So I wanted to be a jet jockey flying jet aircraft for the United States Marine Corps. So I qualified for their flight program, but I had to have a college degree. So off I went to college, but I had no clue what I wanted to major in. When I got there, I got all excited about a course called Native American Studies, or American Indian Studies, and it was not offered as a major in anthropology at the university I attended, which was Oregon State University, home of the Fighting Beavers. So I had to transfer to the Fighting Ducks at the University of uh, Oregon, 45 miles away. And it was very difficult for me to make that school loyalty transition and go from being a beaver to a duck. But I got well, down that's there. That's a built-in conflict. That's a built-in conflict. There you go. Yeah. And <laughs> There's then nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and I got I got down there, and the Native American Studies teacher that I transferred for took a two-year sabbatical, so I had to change my cultural impulses. And so since I was on my way to Vietnam, I decided that I would study peoples of Southeast Asia. So again, I had another cultural influence. Um, so yeah, I've always been interested in people and cultures and how diversity happens and how it's formed and those issues of uh, inclusiveness are very important to me. You're, you've been active in diversity, uh, diversity and inclusion stuff at Bankless Dow, and I know that's been a, an area of passion for you. Are there things that you maybe witnessed that that um, brought you to that way of thinking? Oh yeah, I'm I'm not a very big man. You know, I stand five foot seven and a half when I stretch. And at 80, I think I might have lost that half inch that I bragged about because I used to claim I was 5'8". Uh, but I've always been athletic and strong. And as a Marine, I'm not a big, rough and tough U.S. Marine. I was a, a small, tiny Marine uh, filled with a lot of power and a lot of energy. But I was picked on as a kid by these cousins that were all Basque. So if we had any kind of new person coming to town, I was the one that had to fight the new kid. And if Billy can hold his own with the big kid or the newer kid, well, then we knew that it was all right. But if they started beating me up too bad, well, then the cousins would jump down there and take care of him. Um, so, so hold on was, a minute. That, that sounds yeah. like, wait a minute. So they forced you to be the bully on their yes. behalf. It's like a proxy war on the new student. 
<laughs> yeah, it was an interesting. It was an interesting experience from age five to ten. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know they say shit flows downhill. It does. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got quite a combination of experiences there to inform you. It gets worse, you know, the longer we have to talk about it. But I um, lost my father, who was also a pilot, on my 10th birthday, five, five days before Christmas. And he was bringing my birthday present home and parked the airplane a little too abruptly on the side of a mountain, killing himself and his passenger. And so the 10th year celebration for the holidays has always been a hallmark in my family. But it drove my mother, who never remarried, into alcoholism. And so I grew up in an alcoholic family and was told at the age of 10 that I was now the man of the family. And I couldn't cry because I was taking care of these two women, my sister, four years older, and my mother, who was quite a bit older than that. So I became instant adult, in my opinion. And uh, a lot of my experiences and humor and responsibility came from that, you know, life-defining moment at age 10. So I've always been a good boy. <laughs> I, I couldn't afford to get in trouble, but I did get into drug and alcohol counseling. And so part of my time in the Marine Corps, because of my weird degree in anthropology, I was pulled aside and sent to a lot of wonderful schools that dealt with humans and human mm -hmm. problems. And and after Vietnam, boy, we had a lot of them. We had the racial integration problem that we experienced. We had the drug and alcohol problem. We had the role of women and women coming into the service. Uh, and they were all huge, dramatic changes for the Marine Corps. And so I got involved in redesigning efforts to make those transitions a little bit better for the Marines. And I enjoyed that. I worked in that for about five years. I was just kind of looking at some dates and some relative things just for so listeners can get a perspective here. Um, how old were you when you when you joined the Marines? Well, I got interested at age 16 and I joined right out of high school as soon as I graduated at age 17. Okay, so that was like 1960, 61, right? 61, August the 8th, 1961. And then I stayed on active duty after I graduated from college for 20 years until I could could do that paycheck. And I went from literally private in the Marine Corps through Lieutenant Colonel. So right. I, uh, I had a nice career, a nice long run. So you were, you were in the Marines during a very tumultuous time, frankly, yes. multiple, multiple tumultuous times. And then, you know, 1963, two years later, age 21, um, JFK was assassinated. And yeah. then five years after that, uh, RFK and MLK, Robert F. Kennedy and, um, and Martin Luther King, and of course Vietnam, and all of the turmoil around that, and all of the conflict in the U.S. Uh, given again your perspective, how did that affect you being a basically career military, where possibly your role or your profession was perceived as part of the problem? Absolutely, yeah. It was really tough being inside a structure, and while it was protected, it was not appreciated. And, uh, you know, in my case, again, good stories happen to good storytellers. I was a fraternity man at University of Oregon as a duck, and Senator Wayne Morris 
one of two people who voted against the Gulf of Tonkin resolution was a member of that same fraternity when he was going to college. And uh, so he and I chatted specifically about why he was opposed to the war. And then Senator Ernest Greening, the other one that voted against the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, and they were the only two, was the grandfather of Clark Greening, who was in my fraternity. I was actually sleeping in the same sleeping loft as Clark, and I had a chance to go to Washington, D.C. and meet with Senator Greening and his wife. And he called me aside and took me down in the basement and explained how the policy of the United States led him to the conclusion that we should not be involved, that he couldn't support the war and he couldn't uh, vote, and he wished me well. And he, he hoped that I survived, but he was not at all a favor of it. And the same way with the anthropological instructors I had at the University of Hawaii, they're very opposed to the war, as were most of the students. But on the other hand, I, uh, I'd, uh, I already signed up. I already had a contract. I was tied into the Marine Corps. So I just thought that, you know, the young lads deserve good leadership, and I felt I could be a good leader. And, and if it meant going over there, then that's what I needed to do. One of the things I wanted to chat with you about, and I don't know how to how to best contextualize it, uh, is you now seeing cycles in history and resurgent patterns, that kind of thing. And now having lived it yourself, I'm curious, maybe what, if anything, you can draw from from some of the things that we're seeing today. I know that's a big ask. <laughs> yeah, I think I think what I have seen is that. There are a lot of uh, complex problems out there that require, as you say, contextualizing or drilling down, you know, to get to some possible answers or possible solutions. Uh, but they are very complex. And so as you drill down and you get smarter or you learn more, uh, you see just how difficult they are and uh, that you can't actually solve them except by consensus and working together and, you know, drawing very, very clear lines of communication. And that's what kind of has given me hope in this new structure called a DAO. You know, it's totally different than an LLC or a C Corp in the United States or an S Corp, you know, legal structure. A DAO is just different and uh, may not be successful and some will and some won't. But at least it gives voice to those that are normally not heard or not heard as clearly as they need to. And sometimes the solutions to some of these very, very complex problems can come from a different perspective of the person that uh, is most affected by it. You know, I'm, I'm relating right now, I'm, I'm really torn by this war that we have between Israel and declared war on Hamas. And if it was just Hamas, that would be great, but you can't just isolate Hamas. And their approach to resolving the conflict is not one that I can agree with. And so we've, we've seen already the protest in the streets because the Palestinians uh, you know, have their prob their problems and their claims, and yet they're affected by Hamas, as are the Israelis. And as we we look at any of these complex problems, we can't even solve the 
the um, debt bill right now, our continuing resolutions. And so what we do is we drill down on it. And well, let's let's make two problems rather than have one. <laughs> so we <laughs> right. we we just don't seem to have the you know the right right answers. And yet you ask some people out on the street, and they'll give you the answer. Well. For the Israeli Hamas one, it's a two-state solution. And uh, but what does that really mean? The devil is, in fact, in all these details. The same way that the Republicans and Democrats as they move toward budget. Uh, you know, what are the advantages of dividing it? How should it be divided? Will it pass? And can it pass? And it just goes on and on and on. So, I think that in my life. Uh, it seemed like we've got more and more complex uh, problems that require more complex solutions, but the broader view seems to try to simplify them with simple answers, and I don't think that is the right approach. I don't know. <laughs> don't don't put me in charge Rose. <laughs> well yeah everyone has an agenda and and i'm not necessarily talking about this particular conflict or, or what's going on with russia and ukraine or or you know they're basically proxy wars and then same thing with syria and what happened and is continuing to happen there no. moloch is real we we even mentioned moloch out there you know we had a little joke going back and forth back when we first started talking about, you know, and I got credit for being Moloch. I want credit for being, I want to be Moloch. You accused me of having a very good cover if I was Moloch, and I appreciate that. Well, at one time, it was actually not that long ago, someone I'd been working with for, for a while, and, and I'd been going through some stuff myself, and, and I was getting a little snippy with people, and didn't, not good. And but you get to know people pretty well, and then you don't treat them as well as you treat strangers, you know? Know it well. <laughs> oh, man. Human, being human is not easy. Anyway, getting to the point, and that is this person said, you know, there was a point where I thought you were Moloch. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought you were here trying to sabotage things because you were always, oh. you know, playing devil's advocate or asking questions about stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> I felt bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You're yeah. not Moloch. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, and and we do that with our our spouses as well. I, you know, been married for fifty seven years. I met this girl and she was fifteen years old. And I didn't marry her, of course, until she was twenty one. But every now and then, I will snip or I will use the wrong tone of voice, and she's the one I love more than life. You know, and yet we flex or we get in a bad mood or we do something, and it's right. We're not. We're not perfect human beings none of us are yeah so so how do we take some of these things that that we learn over time and and apply them and pay them forward and not make a mess of things yeah. i think you know the word the wife uses and i've learned a lot from her uh, same woman but as you live with somebody and watch them grow from age 15 through 76 or so, maybe 77. I don't even know how old she is, but she's younger than I am by a couple of years. But kindness, kindness is her watchword. And she has worked with our kids 
My son is 53 and my daughter is 46. Uh, but they are both very lovely, productive people. And they're both, I think, sensitive and they are kind. Not always. One tone of voice comes in and they can both get snippy and they can both get out of sort. But usually just a word or two and they'll be right back in there. But overall, they're, they're within normal limits of society. That's for sure. Good, productive members. And I think as we see people, well, like in our Dow right now, I don't know Ornella that well. I do not know Homie that well. I don't know Dros that well. Uh, of all the people in Dow I know the best is above average Joe because he's the one who helped me get l one and uh, show me how to claim my badge and come in through the front door and become an OG and all that. So he and I have been in contact literally before his baby was born. She's oh, wow. almost two, two years or three years old. And we stay in contact at least a couple times a month and going back and forth. And so I feel as if, even though I've met him, never met him in real life, know enough about him so I've established a relationship. But these other names that I've mentioned, they're just names who show up at the community call or I've worked with them in one of the the guilds, or I worked with them on a project, or I worked with them in a department, and uh, yet I see qualities in them that allow me to reach out to them and try to support them the best I can in what it is that they are working on or struggling with. And I've just been so amazed with the personalities uh, in the three or four years now, or four that we've worked with in the Dow, on how much they have learned and how much they developed and how much they've contributed to the success of the Dow. I've enjoyed that. I mean, Onella was a lead speaker at the DevCon in Istanbul yesterday or the day before, and I can stay tied to her with crypto Twitter or Discord or direct message or now Farcaster. I'm Finding myself forecasting and warp casting. <laughs> if you don't say that carefully, uh, uh, Bill Marhole, especially have, if you're around uh, your friends who aren't in the space, they might think you said fartcaster. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Marvel, if you need to uh, take a drink or if you need to step away or anything, please, you know, we got all the time in the world. So. No, 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 no. I'm just, just sitting here and uh, the wife has been taking good care of me and giving me some drinks and cold medicine even fed me breakfast which is my job i'm the breakfast cook in the family but today she cooked breakfast yeah, so well, it's nice of her I'm, it's, it's a nice nice to have a cold nice to be sick <laughs> it's nice to be taken care of when you're yeah. sick no. and uh -oh. that gets us back to what we started talking about and you mentioned uh, kindness and um i think that's something that's often missing it's easy to not put kindness forward especially when you're not getting any return and i'm not saying that you should just let people walk all over you it is complex it's difficult but i think if you can try and start it's like the hippocratic oath right first do no harm and i'd prefer not to make assumptions it's hard not to make assumptions to navigate this world we try to simplify our brains want to categorize everything put them into neat little compartments and do the othering we could talk about kindness as a general concept but uh, getting back to some of the people that you've met through the dow how we've all 
grown, changed, uh, and evolved over the past few years together. Uh, now that we've we've kind of been on a, on the same similar journey, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that might um, be hard for someone to ask you. Let's admit it, man. Eighty years. I'm going for the record. You've seen a lot. You know, you start to look and see that there's more more road behind you than in front of you. you no, know, there's so many things to think about there. It's like, you know, what becomes important at that stage of your life? Are you more interested in new things or are you more reflecting on your adventures and learnings of the past or spending time with your grandkids or maybe all of the above? For me, it's all of the above. Uh, I go back and I reflect as early, early ideas as I can generate and memories I can generate and then come forward. Uh, and I do that almost on a daily basis. When COVID hit, I, like most people, kind of needed to reinvent myself. And uh, the way I did that is I had been a musician and played the saxophone and uh, played saxophone through college. But the saxophone stifles conversation when you're a lieutenant of Marines. You drag out your saxophone and you can't sit around a campfire and saxophone because when you're saxophoning, nobody's communicating. So I switched to the guitar and I, I love music, but I had given all that up for 40 years or so. And then COVID hit and I said, I wonder if they've got any good saxophone schools out there on the internet. And I found one and drug out my horn and tutored it up. So I spent uh, most COVID just playing the tenor saxophone. And then I tried to get my wife's clarinet uh, all padded up and played the clarinet and the saxophone. And then I bought another alto saxophone, got the guitars out and uh, tried to reacquaint myself with guitar. So I went back into music. And uh, so that's what I did. Oh, man, so, that's fantastic. I'm you ready. Know, I'm walking really? away from that. You stay right there. I am ready. I wanna... well, you got a cold, my friend. You don't have all the air today. Oh, I know, but I could play well enough to, uh, to uh, share with you this, the song that I wrote. All right. Well, let's give it a shot, man. My line as a, as a young man is I was still chasing women before I chased this woman I'm married to now for 57 years was, and I love music. And I've got a song trapped up in my head, and I'd like to share it with you someday. Isn't that romantic, you know? And it, and now COVID finally brought it out. Oh, that's fantastic. We don't have to do it right now. Are you sure you're up for this? Well, I hate to tell you, but my saxophones stay open. It's since oh. I, play them, I play them every day, and they're tuned up now. The problem is, is that, well, the problem is I, I don't have a lot of air, and I haven't been playing them lately because of the cold. But uh, let me tune we might, <laughs> Yeah, we might have to have a, a couple tries at it here, but we'll give it a little try. All right, I'll mute my mic. <laughs> you go oh, that's awesome <laughs> it'd be bad my friend hell that was fun
Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. That That's was, fantastic. So that, that was my old new thing. So, you know, not only reflecting about the past, and uh, but doing something old and new, and then looking to the future, like Yup and Warpcast and DAOs and crypto and bankless and the young kids who are, you know, literally, Dros, you're more mature than most that are in the bankless now, I would suggest, as am I. Well, that's a polite way of saying that we're old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, old friend. <laughs> you know, long-time friend. I can't even say that I, in your case. But, yeah, these kids, are they're just so full of energy and hope and uh, dreams. And this gives them a place to, to exercise those possibilities. And nobody knows where it's going. It's an experiment. And, uh, of course... You know, some of the boomers and no one in my generation, I can't find anyone who wants to talk about crypto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they don't, they don't want to go there. That's a scam, you know? Well, of mm-hmm. course it's a scam, but isn't life a scam? You know, we've all been. <laughs> life is a scam. That's right. I but, was sold a different bill of goods. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I want, I, I want, want a, a refund. refund. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You gotta have you gotta have a good sense of humor to make it from wherever you start to wherever you leave. Yeah, it's it's hard sometimes to have a sense of humor, it, but man, huh? I do think though, leading with kindness, how, trying to—I mean, not everybody has a sense of humor, and thank God I, I feel like I've got one, even if others don't always think I'm funny. At least I think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it helps me get through the day and helps me get through oh, difficult situations and things that are outside of my control. And, um, you know, it's one tool in the tool bag. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to to when you were first listening to, to Bankless Podcast. and that day that they mentioned, yeah, the original Bankless Age, Ryan and, and David. That episode where they mentioned your name, I remember that. Wow. Because I had started listening around the same time, early in 2021. I remember Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban was a guest. Oh, yeah. And then they'd had Hester Purse on, SEC commissioner. And then they've got a guy on here, uh, Bill Ford, who's 76 at the time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, maybe there's something to this. So, you know, when you joined the Dow, again, this is through COVID, you had gone back to your music but what prompted you to i mean you ended up listening to bankless somehow i mean what what drew you to it in the first place well i've always been a little bit of a uh, a nerd like you interest in things technical uh i did not fly in the marines i didn't make the jet school i lost my visual acuity so i ended up in engineering so I was a ground pounder in Vietnam, uh, which had its own advantages. Uh, might have been safer than dropping bombs on Hanoi. I don't know. I guess all those surface air missiles. But I've always been interested. And so when I first heard about crypto and it solved a military problem, supposedly, so I dove into Bitcoin and tried to find out what it was. And I said, oh, no, that's not for me. That's nothing it's not going to realize it's a dream. It, I, I see too many holes with Bitcoin here. I can't imagine a peer-to-peer currency like that ever being adopted. 
But then when Victalic punched out and formed Ethereum and created a foundation, uh, I'm a goopy. You know, I looked at more brains. You know, one brain does one thing. Maybe it does it in the most creative fashion in the world, but 10 brains have got, you know, more <laughs> brain power, in my opinion, and more diversity. And, and we have to compromise. We got to make trade-offs and we can drill down in these complex situations. So I was fascinated by the Ethereum Foundation. And then when I read about proof of stake, I said, yeah, but they'll never raise that kind of money. You can't get 32 ETH from these kids. They don't have 32 ETH. Nobody's going to fund that program, but I'll watch it. And so that's really what, what drew me to it. It's, uh, it's the underlying technology. And I think decentralization in general uh, is required as we move toward the future. I don't know what that means. I can't envision what it means, but I like the idea of permissionless. I like the idea of transparency. I like the idea of freedom. I like, you know, a lot of big words that we use, mm -hmm. but for, for me, this is the future. It, it can, I don't know that it will, but it can all come together. Uh, but if it is going to come together, it's got to be something totally new because what we've created so far, in my opinion, is not fair. <laughs> it doesn't work well for most. We got the one percenters and we got the no percenters. And uh, fortunately, I'm towards the 1%, not the 0%. But I don't know how I'd feel if I wasn't able to make payday or I didn't have $400 in my savings account to pay for new tires for a car that would get me to work. Yeah, and Marvel, the reference you're making there is the fact that um, a statistic, and it's probably gotten even worse, is that uh, at least in the U.S., most people are one or two paychecks away from financial disaster, and they maybe have $400 to their name in liquid assets. I mean, that's the reality. But one of the things I was getting at before is that uh, or starting to get at is that you came into the DAO because it sounded interesting. Crypto originally meant military to you, then you saw this cryptocurrency thing and Ethereum, and you said uh, you thought decentralization was important. I'm curious what that means to you, decentralization. And then secondly, do you think it's something that will achieve widespread adoption, frankly, in time for you to enjoy the fruits of it? For me, no. I you know, look at my time horizon. And that's something that in investing and making money, we're always supposed to be concerned about. Well, would that be a good investment? Well, it depends upon your time horizon. And uh, now I'm looking at, with luck, I, I should get another 10 years. If I get over 10, I'll set the record for my family. If mm -hmm. I get eight years, I, so I'm, I'm looking at eight years. So my, a lot of my decisions need to be made and thought about in terms of that next decade, not two decades. Right, sure. And and maybe that's unrealistic. So I don't think we'll see the type of adoption that's fully useful for central bank digital currencies and transfer and use of Ethereum to its full extent as I would hope or that everybody will be bankless. I do think that we'll benefit from some of these blockchains and decentralized ideas that are coming at us like a freight train. I think in the three years we've been in a now, we've seen tremendous improvement uh, as we move closer to Web3 type experiences. 
And something you said before, I, I certainly uh, agree with, and it resonates with me, is that, you know, if we have to know TCIP and what internet protocol is and all this stuff, it would not have been the internet that we currently enjoy and appreciate. And uh, uh, my wife says this, nobody's going to use a 26-bit address, you know, and we don't care about that. And we're not interested in it. Why are you doing this? You're just wasting your time. It's a scam. And, you know, don't put any money in that. I don't care what you do, but don't put any money in it. But for me, it is possible. And there are already some improvements that we're seeing. I'm just surprised that, that even more smart contracts haven't been used and that, uh, Adaptive AI now is uh, getting the buzz and it's up there and people are spending lots of money and investing in artificial intelligence. And it's the newest raise and craze and all that stuff over crypto. So what is the use case of this? And so as these terms, asset class, use case, point out the efficiencies allowed through smart contracting, and I think we'll see improvement. And my best case, when I try to talk to boomers and silent generation people about it, I says, well, take something like title insurance. Why do we in this country secure titles and require property exchanged and have a title search and go back and prove that this title is valid? I mean, that would be so easy to eliminate that whole, in my opinion, industry just by doing a a smart contract on it and have it in trustlet and put it on chain. So your property is on chain and, you know, if you own it, you own it. You got one-on-one and there's only one owner for each property defined like this. Uh, to me, just looking at that in terms of efficiency, and I know if I can think of that one and use it fairly illustrative, and I'm not a real estate guy, that there's hundreds out there the same way that they could adapt and, and get greater efficiency through the use of decentralization blockchain. And I like the idea of the security that decentralization provides. So it just, just makes, it makes sense to me, you know, that you'll put all your eggs in one basket, young man. If you're okay on time, I know we've been talking for a while sure. about some of the folks in the Dow and, and people yeah. that you've encountered. And, um, again, we'll go back to some of these earlier episodes just to pull some names out. So if it uh, brings any uh, things to mind, um, Tessa with Fight Club, um, oh, yeah. GPay from IMN, International Media Notes, Think Decade, Bankless Africa. Uh, there's a few names to start with. Relentless. Yeah. Well, Think Decade and I uh, came in the same time, he's an OG, and uh, immediately was attracted to him because he's so much younger. I think Think is 26. He might be 27 now. I might have missed his birthday. But, uh, yeah, he's a very, very articulate, supportive young man, uh, uh, been involved in education primarily, uh, sent me a DM and said he'd like to get on grants committee for a while, and I said, mm -hmm. sure, I think I'd support that. And uh, he started hosting the onboarding sessions that we run every two weeks and just did a great job putting a slide deck together for that. Just very involved uh, and a good guy. And he's on X now and crypto Twitter and he's doing all kinds of different things up with us. So he's a good one. Yeah, I think decade. I will just have to add a couple other words there. He is, as he will say himself, 
relentless. And I don't know <laughs> how he finds all the time, makes the time, or has all the energy he does to stay as engaged as he does with everything he's involved with. From all the things you mentioned to the Bankless Africa podcast to the newsletters and handling budgeting and admin and onboarding people to the Dow. It's impressive. Yeah. And a little bit, little bit back to, uh, kindness again, uh, his other watchword is good vibes only GBO. Yes. You know, it's not only relentless, it's a matter in which she, uh, is inclusive and supports the projects that he's involved with. Been yeah, that's an important clarification. <laughs> yeah, Tessa and Fight Club, uh, that, that was one that I followed and, uh, you know, watched for quite a while. Uh, another good one there. You've, you've mentioned several and uh, some that I haven't worked closely with and don't know well and others that you haven't mentioned that I have worked closer with. Uh, True Cat, you did mention her name early on, but she's... Yeah, she was on episode 40. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's just great and um, very helpful to me early on. We we're trying to do a a education rehearsal. Uh, we we're doing our first in-house training session on Notion, and so she helped me out with that one and got me into the meeting on time. And we we rehearsed that. But I've been connected with her on crypto Twitter and other places as well, but she's a great editor and I like to poke at her every now and then. <laughs> well, <laughs> True Cat is another powerhouse at Bankless Dow and yeah. she is core to Bankless Publishing and as Absolutely. well as operations at Bankless Dow. She's involved in Notion administration. Uh, there's so many things that she's involved in and, and her uh, editing prowess is quite impressive. Uh, she has a background as an academic librarian. She joined in, I believe it was November of 2021. She was perusing the Dow, coming around to various groups and stuff. And um, she wanted to organize our media. And I was in the AV Guild, uh, Guild Coordinator at the time. And that's how we met. Um, so yeah, she was instrumental in, in being involved in that and helping to organize all of our media. And since then has just done so much. And you can read her writing. You can see, basically, if you read almost any bankless publishing article, I think I, I'm, I'm pretty safe in saying that. She's probably had her hands on it, her eyes on it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, couple of the other ones uh, might not be as involved as uh, some of the other ones, but Nonsense Twice was an early contributor. Yeah, with and, uh, Decentralized it, Arts and also the Developers Guild. And wasn't he involved right. in writing... Um, Mad Hatter, which is that kind of clever, sarcastic bot. bot. <laughs> but some other useful things, too, like Bounty Board, I think, was one of his early projects. Yeah. He's the one who came in really early, and he was actually doing his programming and developing on an iPad. And when Above Average Joe found out about that, he said, oh, God, no. He says, "You gotta, we got to have a fundraising campaign. All you guys have got banks, send Send a thousand back or as much as you can to Nonsense Twice so he can get a real computer so he can help us out here. So we ended up getting Nonsense Twice a real computer. And he was so grateful, so thankful, and just dedicated to the cause after that. Yeah, and he was us. also involved in one of the early um, grants committees. And yeah. he was heavily involved, and I think he still is involved with decentralized arts. Um, we haven't heard from them as much lately, but once in a while they do surface and, and share what they're working on. And he's another example of someone that um, started a new career, really. He he was new to coding uh, when he was trying to learn stuff on the iPad. And he since had self-taught and upgraded his skills, uh, 
met people and has learned so much through that in an area that he hadn't even touched before. Yeah. 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 I haven't seen him around much lately, but yeah, thanks for bringing up nonsense, nonsense toys. Yeah. I, you know, of course, the big driver when we first started back in season zero is Frog Monkey. Frog, Frog Monkey, Monkey yes. still floating out there. He's still out there struggling with life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Well, Frog Monkey, uh, he gave it all. Uh, he was all he in did. very early in the Dow, involved with setting up governance and so many other things, forum posts, proposals, um, taking the temperature of the Dow, pushing things forward. Man, he, he gave 150% of himself. And, yeah. And yeah. Um, so he has parlayed that into a career that hadn't existed yeah. when he first started here. That's my understanding of the history there. Well, we had uh, some female contributors early on that uh, aren't as involved now as they were, although some are. Uh, Red Crystal Dragon, Genetics, and Steph. Steph was very helpful at times. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of Steph lately, but uh, very helpful. Is Steph in the Developers Guild? Is that her? Yes. Yeah. 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 And then Red Crystal Dragon is still involved. She's been involved for, for consistently delivering. Been doing some... Some popes, but that sounds so religious. I'm still poapping. Poap, poap. I'm a poap. I'm in the poap camp. I'm in a poap camp. That's proof of attendance protocol. There we go. They say some people say pope like soap, but I say pope like yeah. the poap team pronounces it, and that is poap. Right. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I tend to not be a super controversial host, but I that one might get me in some hot water <laughs> with a few folks. <laughs> That was a very sly vote that they took on that. I think they only ran that poll for about 12 seconds, and they came back and said, oh, we have spoken. It's called Pope. I thought, what? No that way. voting mechanism, <laughs> that was not a fair vote, right. and I think that bad it core, needs to be core. investigated. Yeah, I do too. Oh, so you were mentioning other women. Let's let's uh, mention there have actually been quite a few women on uh, on Making Bank. We need more, though. And um, Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'd mentioned Tessa Gipe. Um uh, Miss Purple with Bankless Africa, I believe. Is she still hosting shows with Bankless Africa? I don't know. I do know she was very involved at one time. I think she is. She had done a couple of interviews on Making Bank, but it, actually she interviewed Above Average Joe on episode seven back in March of 2022. <laughs> and then I interviewed her on episode 24 in August of 2022. I really enjoyed having that conversation with her. She is She's really a wonderful person to, to learn about and listen to. And again, talk about kindness and being there for people. Uh, Lambs who was involved, I don't know if she still is involved with the Migrants NFT project, which was to um, highlight migrant artists. That was episode 15. That was in June of 2022. Saul Thorin, bankless chick. Samantha Marin, she was with, um, she'd been working again early, really early back um, that same time period when Frog Monkey was very active. And, and Sam has gone on. She works, I believe, with Aragon now. Right. Yeah, she was in that very first meeting where Ornella showed up. We had two ladies there, Ornella and Sam were both on, both very engaging, very, very fun. Yeah, and I would mentioned yeah. TrueCat before in terms of her editing capability and writing skills and all of that. And Samantha, uh, Samantha's another one that's 
that's right. in that uh, category of prolific writing and extremely um, skilled editing. And uh, mm. she's also done some video work as well. And, and again, all these people that we're mentioning and stuff, this will we'll have some pretty extensive show notes for this episode. Let's see. All right. I'll go through and list some other names here. Genetics. You had mentioned before. Genetics was early with uh, Bankless Academy and um, and as well working in the Design Guild. I My understanding is genetics is a uh, neighbor and friend of Above Every Joe's wife. And that's how they got connected. And then she came in and she was doing the merch thing for a while there. And she got involved with ETH Denver and did an early Denver thing, and then she was doing T-shirts and doing a lot of things. But she had some real health issues, and so she kind of dropped out. She was doing TikTok for a while. She was she's everywhere. Mm -hmm. A lot of talent. A lot of lot of talent there. A yeah, lot of enthusiasm. She's super talented. Yeah, genetics uh, was at Permissionless, and uh, she ended up coming yeah. to ChippyCon. Uh, which uh -huh. was a lot of fun and uh, oh there's a there's a name that we should have talked about perchy and perchy <laughs> yes and that whole, that whole whole sub down uh, chippies that's been a hugely hugely successful contributing area yes perchy bdow wouldn't be the same without perchy yes perchy is yeah. the artist behind the chippy comics the nft comics and the bankless locations and the individual custom avatars you can request i believe that batch has been sold out though he stopped at 500 really? for those chippies so if you weren't in on that first 500 mm -hmm. chippy you ain't getting another right 500 right facing hippies now i'm waiting for the left facing hippies hippies or there chippies? Might be a, oh excuse me chippies hey I get, you just came up I with I a get, new one I, yeah hippies <laughs> how about hippie chippies Miss. Hippy chippy. I think hippy chippies would sell. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'll uh, I'll share that with Perchy before we go live on this thing. Yeah, but yeah, Perchy and the chippy community, and then uh, so many people involved with that that are again overlapping communities. People from Bankless Dow and other places. Hero Canelli and publisher. Um, so Hero wow. Canelli is another one that's with um, right. Bankless Publishing and is still deeply involved with that. Um, helped get the writing cohorts going and then pub um, publisher i think he goes calls himself it's publisher xerox i think they ran good morning news and then um well there's something that we haven't talked about rug we haven't talked about the, the rug the rug yes yes alan bryce liquidity frank america yeah uh, perchy wow. is part of the rug crew so that kind of is a, a little bit of a segue right. there uh true cat right I don't think she works on the rug anymore. I oh maybe not anymore, but she was involved with her one time. I'm sure, sure she had some. Yeah, she did. But the rug continues to operate, and Ellen Bryce, also known as Liquidiot, does all the audio work for that. So they have the written work that are satirical and comedic things related to crypto and in the industry, and then they periodically do an under the rug which is a kind of a behind-the-scenes writer's room listen at how they put their stuff together. And yeah. it's, it's great fun. Have you, do you listen to it? I do not, but I'm a fan of Alan Bryce. He's, his location is Kyoto, or not Kyoto. Uh, Osaka. Osaka, Japan. Yeah. yeah. 
since my son has his business in Japan, we gravitated towards that. So I meant to ask you about, have you had a chance to meet? No. Well, in real life, Alan, no. But I've followed all of his stuff since he came on and started doing all that he was doing with the weekly roll-up and the short takes on that. Been great. And also, he was a talent coordinator in the Audiovisual Guild for several seasons. Right, right. And um, he got plugged into the rug and some other projects there. He's also working on his own stuff. He calls it Pink Sync, uh, which is just a kind of a personal blogging and photography project. And he's experimenting with NFTs with that. And we had had Alan on May, May of this past year, uh, May of 2023, episode 45. Alan Bryce is fantastic. He's really fun. He and another one of our guests, actually several of our guests, but um, Ed On, who is known online as Jack Alpha, and Ed and Alan were able to get together when they were both in Japan and ended up spending some time together, doing some photography, hanging out. And Ed, like I said, is super involved with a bankless um, Japan, along with Downlore. I don't know if you know Downlore. Downlore, Downlore is with the Information Security Group. He writes for Bankless Publishing. So here, here's some more overlaps. So Downlore writes for Bankless Publishing. He works in information security, and he's deeply involved with uh, Bankless Japan. And he and Ed On are travel buddies. And so oh. that's another wonderful set of connections. Yeah, you know, I bring this up because it's one of those things where it kind of facilitates connection in ways that you didn't anticipate. Absolutely. You know, early on, Livesey and Sanad, NF Thinker, you know, all in Europe, across the pond over there. No possible connections, and yet we were making these connections, you know, just over because of interest in Mankless Dow. Uh, just, yeah, it all came together. Uh, working with people in a project is interesting as you get to know them pretty well. Uh, Eagle, for example, a big lawyer here that came in and put together uh, first roles for Ombudsman, and then I met Rotorless, and Rotorless was an attorney in Nova Scotia. And we just had delightful, I thought delightful. Maybe he hated every minute I was on the phone with him, but I seemed interested in some of the things I had to say. But yeah, we get along really well. And Katriana, we talked about True Cat, Katrina, but we also talked about Katriana, who was very busy with Armsroads uh, when that first session that we had. She was another good one. Uh, just It just goes on and on and on. I mean, in the early days when we had all the bots showing up for our community calls, we got up to almost 300 bots <laughs> and people. And uh, now we're down to, you know, if we get 30 at a meeting, it would be uh, a good community call. But mm -hmm. the content of the media themselves uh, is so much better now than it was, you know, in the early days. Not, it can't, not that it can't be improved, but I, I do look forward to those calls, you know, and... Uh, Thinking about names that just came out and they, the way people come into the DAO and they get involved, like John and Aaron with yes. a list of DAOs. And then from list of DAOs, they grow into something else and they explain it like I'm five. And, uh, you know, all as they have put together and they turn around and Ox, Zephi and Shepard doing their little thing out there now. And, uh, 
I Speak Nerd had a, had a role for a while, and I Speak is now over on Chippy Land and also with the Fight Club and going like crazy over there. And it's just wherever I turn, there are some of these long-term committed dowers that are, are fun. When I see their names, I just I kind of glow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just going through those names, I'm going to try and recap a few that you've mentioned and just share a little bit here. And I think our links are probably going to be on again here very soon, talking about Bankless Card as it's launching very soon. But Thinker has been super involved in everything from relationships to Design Guild to, again, Bankless Academy, another one that was early involved in that. And then Sanad, I believe he was on Grant's committee, if I'm not mistaken. And now I believe heavily involved in B Labs and um, Dow Stewards, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of where his focus is now. Mm. Yeah, and then I Speak Nerd, you had mentioned, who uh, works with Collabland now. He's very involved there with um, that community. And also, you had mentioned Farcaster early on, which is another social media platform built on Web3. And I Speak Nerd is very involved with Farcaster. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, yeah, I've only, I've only been on there three days now, but he did welcome me, and I was happy to see him. So I left him a direct message or a note there today, as I did with links. Brian L. We haven't mentioned Brian L. Brian's a good guy. Yes, Brian L. is one of those unsung heroes because he, he tends to operate behind the scenes, keeping the ship running, as it were. Yep. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. I guess one of the things that puzzles me, though, is how we get, you know, a lot of the OGs and early ones are no longer involved. And I've had a lot of good contributors come along the way, and they seem to get very involved, and then all of a sudden they just stop. They're gone. I've lost them. And it pains me a little bit, you know, that that they are. And I know life happens and priorities take place and the rest of that stuff, but I think they're there needs to be some kind of a uh, comeback and still love you place or or something here. Yeah, can't can't follow this anymore. I'm too busy doing this or, or you know something to say. Uh, you know, gone but not forgotten. Memory memory well uh, in that category. I put angst as one of them. Uh, boy, he was very involved. Oh yeah, angst. Yeah, him. right. Yeah, and. Uh, Quiet Fox, oh my gosh, and Quiet Fox, there's a, there's a lady who really, really poured her heart out and got involved season three, season four, season five, but then her, in real life, moved her from Singapore to Great Britain, new job, oh, okay. life, and then she was a signature down in multi-signer in the uh, education department when it became, but she's not even involved. I haven't heard yeah. from well, her. Both in of those names months. you just mentioned, Angus and um, Quiet Fox, were both, if I'm not mistaken, involved very heavily with new joiner stuff and onboarding new members. Am I? They were, correct? yeah, they were. But uh, you know, their contact to that and their design was really through education. They were just champions for education, pulling it all together. Uh, Emmanuel Macau, there was one who came in in season three and is now doing mosaic, and and uh, he had a big. Big impact, in my opinion. 
Yeah, Manuel uh, Manuel Macu, I first encountered in a community call. I think it may have been November 2021. I'm trying to remember what year that was. But anyway, he was just on episode 48, which we published August 9th. And he was talking about uh, Mosaic and what he was doing with that. And um, I'd seen him in East Denver, and he was talking to some folks about where he was trying to go with that. And that's about where we got interrupted the first time. We briefly mentioned a handful of... Um, beat out contributors so far, but that's really just scratching the surface. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Manuel before we move on? And then also, did we have maybe some time for a few more shout outs today or, or some folks that maybe you'd thought of or things that we didn't cover from the last session? Manuel entered education in season three, as I recall, and uh, was immediately a, a big presence. Uh, uh, he's quite an articulate conversationalist. He's got some really great ideas and uh, expressed them and kind of firmed up the education uh, at that time guild and moved it toward a four different segmented uh, with a, a clear mission in each one of those segments. And I thought that was very helpful to the Dow, but it was just quite typical of uh, somebody new coming in and not being afraid to speak up and, and being pretty firm in their opinions. But I thought as we entered season four with the guild, it was on the right track. Uh, certainly a stronger track than I'd seen before in the first three seasons. And I'd been involved with marketing and education and cartography. And my tour on Obsbudsman certainly was a, a one-year one year gift and tour of duty, which not only formed but uh, attempted to resolve uh, you know, quite a few conflicts, maybe 25 or 30 different cases were brought before. And I hope it was helpful to everyone, but... I'm sure there were some disgruntlements as, uh, as we men as ombudsmen and would call out Rotorless and Catriana, uh, uh, who did yeoman's work in there trying to resolve things. Yeah, it was good. But a lot of other keynote folks, like a lot of the early OGs, uh, you know, Finn for the Dow has now come back in in the last couple of weeks and shown some interest again. Uh, Grendel, he was out there. Uh, just just on and on. Great personalities and great talents. Been very pleased with everybody that I've worked with, for the most part. Uh, I'd like to highlight a couple of three women. Uh, yeah, please do. Yeah, I got over in uh, Dalversity, and there wasn't enough, uh, There, were, first of all, not enough coders and developers that are, are ladies and are presenting as uh, female. And uh, so I tried to encourage them overall, and uh, I thought we had some wonderful conversations over there. I Speak Nerd came in and spent some time with us. Uh, Humpty was on there almost every uh, meeting for a while. Uh, just just a lot of good uh, conversation with Red Crystal Dragon and genetics, and uh, we had some uh, come and go. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a good place to promote uh, diversity and gender gender equality and like to see more women involved and it's great to see right now uh, we had the lady speaking this morning and i'm sorry i'm spacing her name right now and i shouldn't know it i, I see it all the time uh, but Femes is one Femes is is a good lady but we had uh, ornella is strong strong in the dow in fact i think she's full-time dow now gave up her kind of part-time gig as a disc jockey when I first met her, and now she's Web3 East Ornella. 
Yeah, and she's she's a really quite an excellent teacher. She's been very involved in the marketing department, for one thing, as well as uh, Bankless Academy, where they do uh, Web3 education tools. And she's I've, I've, when I sit in these marketing department meetings and Ornella is, is either running the meeting or, or, or doing a piece of it, it's almost like a, um, not a lecture, but it's, a, it's almost like you're attending a college course in marketing. Uh, because a lot of the folks that we have coming into the DAO, you know, they might be kind of new to the marketing side of things, or they may not have had formalized experience or the opportunity to work in a marketing department, but they want to do that kind of thing. And so she brings a lot of experience from traditional marketing into this space. And so she's able to share a lot of that experience that she's had that's really priceless. Yeah, um, we, had a, we had a very strong facilitator in education guild in season three and four, building on Manuel Macau's uh, restructuring of that. And her handle was Quiet Fox, and she was a Singaporean. Uh, I don't know by birth, but she was certainly stationed and living and making uh, education uh, as a college uh, presenter in Singapore, and she's been reassigned to Great Britain. And so we've kind of lost her in her time change, zones change. But she was a tremendous uh, facilitator and teacher of economics. And so it was, uh, she was on her way drilling down. I just love the way she approached education and the thoughts about training teachers and building a good education platform. Because when we started as a breakout DAO from Bankless headquarters, it was to be a media and education DAO. And then immediately Education Guild broke out Bankless Academy to be the outreach of education and Ornella's role there has just, I think, really been significant. And as had Mr. V and, you know, I can name Freedom Fighter was an early one. Uh, uh, the OG Grendel, Dot Polygon now, as uh, he was one who mm -hmm. set up education and got me involved. And he actually let me run uh, GitHub 8 marketing program and I was totally out of my league and out of my head and had to have some help from lots of folks but uh, it seems to be successful we're up to 19 now so must have not been too bad was that gitcoin or github it was github github okay yeah we actually had... ran a marketing yeah we actually ran some marketing help for github oh wow well, I, I guess I must have missed that we do so many things it's hard to keep track of them all well, I'm curious, uh, Marvel. You know, we had we had chatted a little bit in in regrouping to finish this piece up, and and one of the things we talked about is it's so difficult when you're trying to give shout outs to people that have contributed. When you start going down that list, invariably you're going to miss somebody. Yeah, it's impossible. We've just been influenced by so many. Yeah, I, and and you know we've thanked a lot of people on the show today, and there's so many others behind the scenes. In fact, I'd like to mention a few, a number of whom that have worked on this show over the past couple of years as well. I'd like to start with Soundman. Uh, he was the instigator of this show and the podcast Hatchery Project, which is where we started. And then he, along with Salman, needs a job. Uh, Elemental, Red Crystal Dragon, Liquidiot, who's helped me uh, up my technical skills. Um, Winverse, uh, who was also working with you on the ombudsman side, and he's uh, very active in marketing and the Writers Guild and Writers Department at this point, and has also helped here on the show. And then Tundee Turner, who is also involved in, in marketing stuff and a variety of other social media 
and other activities at, at Bankless DAO. So they've been really helpful more recently. And so I want to make sure we shout out some folks that, that work on the show. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's a wonderful collection of contributors. People come and go. We see people come back like we've seen in the last week or so, popping back into the Discord server saying, hello, how can I help? How can I support you? And it's really been great to see. Yeah, I'd really be remiss if I didn't mention Sanad and Livusi. You know, it just it just goes on and on and on. You start and and there is no end. And you know, we we look um, with all the bots that we have gone through. And at one time, our community calls were were uh, POAP farming, which became, I guess, Pope farming, but some kind of farming. And now they <laughs> they were able to. Bog came in and cleaned some of that up with his. Uh, Cybersecurity uh, has been strengthened within the Dow. Done a great job there. Uh, you know, B peeps. It just you know it just goes on and on. And I'm sorry for anyone that I have left out uh, of my good friends and followers on crypto Twitter. What a what a spot that is. But I see a lot of folks over there. <laughs> so it's all good. All good friends. All right. And more to come. Right, Bill. Yeah. And happy holidays to everybody. Yes, happy holidays to everyone, and a happy birthday to you. Well, you were about you. to hit a milestone, and you've mentioned it before. We we kind of alluded to it earlier in the in the episode, but you've got a, a big milestone. This is episode fifty, and you are about to hit a major milestone here in the next couple of days. We won't say what date it is because that kind of provides too much information about how to you know, triangulate on you. But uh, how old will you be in just a couple of days here, if you don't mind just saying that? I'm a proud member of the silent generation. I was born in 1943 in that metropolis called Winnemucca, Nevada. Oh my goodness, I've been through Winnemucca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody has been through Winnemucca. On the way to or from Birmingham. It's even in the song, the country and western song. Yeah, everybody goes through Winnemucca because it's in that song, I've been everywhere, you know, that uh, so many country and western singers, and they start out, I say, I've been a Winnemucca, and I thought, oh, my gosh, everybody's been through Winnemucca. But it's a great area, and uh, <laughs> it'll be just before Christmas. If I make it to Christmas, you'll know I'm older. But eight, eight decades is a milestone instead of a millstone. I don't want it to become a millstone. No. Well, uh, Marvel, Bill, um, it has just been such a joy to chat with you and and. I, I just feel it's such a privilege to have have this time with you, and um, I hope our community enjoys it as well. I know they will. Um, I know a number of people were really looking forward to to having an opportunity to hear an extended conversation with you. And um, God, it's been just such a pleasure and a privilege to spend this time. And I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and on behalf of others in the community, to thank you so much for everything you bring. Just having you around and, and having your support has meant so much to me, and it's meant I know a lot to a lot of other people. Is there anything left? Well, thank you, Drost. And uh, the feeling is like, well, of course, you know, it, it's to be continued. It's always to be continued. And wait, there's more. It's, I feel like a, a Ginzu knife man, you know, wait until 2024 when, when the bull starts roaring again and snorting and when uh, B-Dow and B-Headquarters become stronger, or whatever the name we choose. Uh, yeah, it's all good. Was there anything else at all that you wanted to close with before we wrap this show today? Uh, no, I think we've covered so much ground, and it's just really great getting to know you, and I appreciate your podcasts and the uh, the whole series, Make It Bank, 
uh, you know, the podcast hatchery where it uh, got its origins and where it's grown and where it may be going to. So, no, it's all good. Look forward to working with everybody in the new year. So, Merry Christmas for my holiday celebration. And uh, for those who celebrate Hanukkah and for those who celebrate Kwanzaa and all the other holidays out there, uh, just, just have a great time with family. Family and friends, community, that's the real layer zero or layer one, and that's what makes, I think, BDAO so good. BDAO strong. All right, Marble. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Happy birthday. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. And uh, best of everything to everyone out there. Take care of yourself and your friends and your family, like Marvel says, and be good to one another. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information and how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll leave you with a little more saxophone from our dear Bill Ford. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Bill, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.